it's been quite a, a year and a half, and it seems that anxiety is the pervasive problem of our day. There's so many things that provoke anxiety. We, of course, have had this uh, global pandemic and the deaths that have resulted from that. We've uh, had the uh, economic fallout that is only beginning, I think, now to catch up with us. Um, we've got isolation and loneliness and depression that a lot of people have experienced. Um, we're constantly bombarded by information and disinformation, not all of it, even the information, welcome. Recently, we've been warned of a credible ISIS terrorist threat to Northern Virginia, as though we didn't have enough to worry about. And then there are your own anxiety-provoking situations, situations with, with family or children or finances or job or a thousand other things. And so we've got all of this increased anxiety. What, uh, what is anxiety? I think that all of us know when we're experiencing anxiety, but, but what is it exactly? Uh, one mental health website described it like this. I think it was a pretty good description. Anxiety is being in a state in which one feels like they're constantly being stalked by an invisible predator. The feeling of being in danger never goes away. It's an awful sense. And friends, I want to tell you today that God does not want his children to live like that. Well, what are we to do? Well, it's Thanksgiving week, and so I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 19. This is the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi, but it's God's word through him to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And our Father... You who have sent to us the Prince of Peace, you who are the God of Peace, we pray that today and in the days to come that you would indeed be with us and that you, O oh God of Peace, being with us, we would know the peace of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Don't be anxious about anything. That's what Paul tells us in verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. With all due respect, Paul, that sounds more like a book title than an action plan. Don't be anxious. That's what we need to learn how to do, right? If I wanted to start a business and I uh, went to a bookstore and saw a 
book, and on the spine it said, start your own business. So I took out the book, and I opened it. It was blank pages except for one sentence that said, start your own business. I'd say, thanks a lot. It doesn't really help me any. And this passage wouldn't be very helpful if that's all it said, if it just simply said, don't be anxious about anything. But I think it starts with those words to communicate to us that God does not want his people to be anxious. God doesn't want his people to live in anxiety. The anxiety that swirls around us, that we swim in, God doesn't want his people to be overcome by that anxiety. So as we begin to look at this today, I want to ask you to think through a bit with me where is it that anxiety comes from? If, if this is a good description, I think it is, that anxiety is a sense of being in, in, in constant danger, right? Where does that come from? It's a, it's a sense that our worst fears are going to come to pass. That's what anxiety really is, that our fears are going to come to pass, and it's where we'll end up. That, that's where we're going to finish everything. It's going to end up there. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, don't be anxious for your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll clothe yourself with. Why does he say that? Because they're worried that they're going to end up with not enough to eat, not enough to drink, that they're, that they're worried that they'll end up without shelter or not being clothed. And so anxiety arises carefully, anxiety arises from the fear that God may not really love me, and that God doesn't really watch out for me, and he doesn't really care for me. I, I think, in fact, if we look deeper, it's a, it's a fear that God will allow me to get what I deserve. Now, we fight that. We don't like to reg uh, readily admit that. We like to say, no, I, I deserve good things. But if we're honest with ourselves, you look deeply into your heart, there's some fear there that lingers that are, that are faults, that are failings, that are inadequacies, that are sins, carry with them more liability than we'd like to admit. And we're afraid that they'll catch up with us. And over and against all that, God says to us, don't be anxious about anything. Well, what's the alternative to that? Well, God invites us here to bring him our requests, to bring him our prayers and petitions. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so he tells us to bring to our prayers, our petitions, those things uh, which are causing us anxiety, we can bring to his throne. But it says here, with thanksgiving. Did you note that? Right in the middle of it, with thanksgiving. And why are we told that? Is it because uh, God needs to have his ego stroked and wants to be thanked? 
No, God doesn't tell us that for his benefit. He tells us that, tells you that for your benefit. For your benefit. Because Thanksgiving is destructive to anxiety. Thanksgiving is destructive to anxiety. And so I'm thankful that we're told right in the midst of this passage that in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Because if we come to God only with our prayers and petitions, we bring before him those things which provoke anxiety uh, in us, and, and God invites us to do that, right? But think about that. If you're praying about that, here's the situation that faces me. Here's the situation that threatens me. Here's the situation that's dangerous to me, and I'm constantly praying about that. What's my mind on all the time? It's on what causes anxiety. It's on the danger that faces me. So God says to come to him with those things, but also with thanksgiving. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it's a passage worth committing to memory. You probably know it already and don't even know that you know it already. But it says this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, that would be a passage uh, worth committing to memory this afternoon. It's a a short one. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And, And think through with me for a moment what that means. Because I think it indicates that in all of our circumstances, no matter what they are, there are things for which we can be thankful. In in all of the difficulties, in all of the dangers, in all of the hardships that you face, God doesn't say be thankful for all the circumstances. Some circumstances are awful. But in those circumstances, there are things that we can thank God for. Paul encourages us to put our minds here. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things for which we can thank God. You know, I read this uh, list here, these characteristics, and it's the opposite of what you see in the news media and in your social media feed, isn't it? It's the the diametric opposite of it. There you're told to set your mind on uh, the untruths that are being told, the lies. You're told to set your minds on the ignoble and set your mind on the wrongs done and the injustices perpetrated, the impure, the ugly, the contemptible, the scornworthy. We're told, fix your mind here. And then we wonder why everybody's filled with anxiety. I'm constantly having to empty my email box and unsubscribe, I don't know how I get on these lists, of people telling me that the world is going to end, the country is going to end, or democracy as we know it is going to end unless I send them a contribution. You contrast all of that to God's word that says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, let your mind dwell upon such things. 
Let, let me give you just kind of a practical application of how that might work. I think the last time, thank God, I think the last time that I was really sick was about eight years ago. And I was really sick. I don't think it was the flu because it only lasted for 48 hours. But I had fever, chills, body aches, a, a sore throat, um, and, and a nauseous stomach. And, uh, and, I, and I can remember laying in bed, you know, moaning. I don't know whether I, whether, I, whether I thought I was going to die or was hoping that I would just to be put out of my misery, you know. And I can remember praying. I was there, oh, Lord, please, please help me. Lord, my head hurts so much. Oh, Lord, my stomach is so sick. Oh, Lord, I'm so cold, right? And, I, and I'm praying, Lord, please help me. And, and where was my mind focused? Where was it fixed? It was focused on all of those things that were making me miserable. For, for some reason, I think it was God in his grace, brought to my mind 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In all circumstances, give thanks to God, for this is his will for you in Christ Jesus. And so I began to think about something else. I, I began to think about the fact that if I had lived 150 years ago, how different it would be. It was, a, it was an icy day. I would have been living in a, a drafty house. Uh, the, the heat, if I had any, would have, uh, I would have had to stoke myself with wood or coal or something like that. But now I get to, I get to lay in this pretty secure, you know, pretty well-insulated house with heat that just comes on automatically. Um, I, as I'm laying there, I'm, I'm laying in clean bedding. I've got light at my fingertips that I don't have to worry about burning the house down with, right? I've got indoor plumbing, running water. Um, if, 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 I, if I, I don't want to get too graphic here, but if I didn't make it to the restroom and emptied, emptied the contents of my stomach on my bedding, I have a washing machine. I don't have to do anything, right? I've got a hot shower whenever I'm ready for it. And I began to let my mind think on those things and to thank God for them. And, and as I did that, did it relieve my symptoms? No. Did it relieve my misery? I want to tell you that it did. It did. And it relieved the anxiety that I was feeling by bringing peace. In fact, that's the promise of this passage, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If, if you want to start to address your anxiety, give thanks to God in all circumstances. How? By letting your mind dwell in your circumstances, whatever they are, on those things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Now you might say, okay, so I, I get it here, Pastor. What you're talking about here is the, is the power of positive thinking, right? We just need to Think positively, look for, the, look for the silver lining in the dark clouds. Well, 
I, I won't deny that thinking positively is better for your state of mind than thinking negatively. But if that's all the Christian faith is, then Karl Marx was right. It's the opiate of the masses. It, it just dulls our pain to the difficulty. But that, that's not what Paul's talking about here, merely positive thinking. He's talking about the peace of God. And to know the peace of God, you have to know the God of peace. And in fact, uh, Paul makes that pretty clear here if you look at what he says. He says, um, not to be anxious. He says, in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to make your request known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. He tells us where to set our minds. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me return to what I was talking about before. Lurking behind all of our anxieties are two fears. Deep down inside, we're, we're fearful that our faults, our failings, our inadequacies, our sins will catch up with us and will get what we deserve. And we're afraid that that situation is where we'll end up. So this is how it ends. This is, this is what I come to. Paul says to them, he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put these things into practice. Now, you know, you can go on and read the next part of the passage where Paul talks about the secret to being content in all things. But I think one of the best places that we can see Paul putting this into practice is in Romans chapter 8. And I just want to point out three vignettes from that chapter. The first is in verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul does not write this as some kind of super saint. Read chapter 7. Paul in that chapter is struggling back and forth with his sin. And he says, the good I want to do, I'm not able to do. And, and the evil that I don't want to do, that's right there with me. And Paul struggles with his sin, but he comes to this conviction because of the gospel, because of the grace of God, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul's aware of his sins. He's aware of his faults. He's aware of his failings. He's aware of his inadequacies. But he's also convinced, absolutely convinced, that in Christ, God is not going to repay him according to his sins. Right? That's what the psalmist says. God has not dealt with us according to our sins. So Paul is convinced that because he is in Christ, what, what, he, what he fears deep down as he, as, he, as he freely confesses his sin, what he is absolutely convinced of is that Paul is not going to get what he deserves. The second thing I want to point out is in verse 28. And Paul writes there, he says, we know that in all things God works together for good for those who love him 
and who have been called according to his purposes. Now the, now the all things here is not an unqualified all things. If you read the rest of the chapter, Paul's got a specific all things in mind. And, and it's all the hard things, all the bad things, all the persecutions that have befallen him. And, 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 and Paul looks at all of those things that could provoke anxiety, that should be anxiety-provoking. And in the midst of all of that, Paul is absolutely convinced that God has a plan for him and that that plan is for his benefit, blessing, and salvation. And then in verses 31 and 32, he says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously or freely give to us all things? And here's the crux of it for the Apostle Paul. What Paul says when he reasons is this. If God was so intent on our blessing, on our salvation, on our benefit and good that he gave his son over to death to secure it, what else is he going to withhold? Does it make any sense that God would withhold anything else? And so Paul is confident in these things. Listen, do you hear what he's saying? It's not because he's thinking positively, although he is, but that's not the reason why. It's because of Christ. And it's because he's in Christ. It's what he said in Philippians that the peace of God will, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is, is confident of these things only because of Christ and because he's in Christ. And so I want to ask you today, are you in Christ? Are you trusting in Christ? If you're not, trust him now. Come to him now. If you are in Christ, if you're trusting in Christ, and you look at all the things that provoke anxiety, I want you to think for a moment about what that means. It's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. God, listen, God is not going to give you what you deserve. God is going to give you what Jesus deserves. That's what it means to be in Christ. God is not going to give you what you deserve. He's going to give you what Jesus deserves. And if God didn't withhold his own son for you, he, he's not going to withhold anything else from you that's for your benefit or good. Now, now listen, understanding that doesn't mean that anxiety just goes away. If... Um, if it did, we wouldn't have to be told in a few passages, don't be anxious about anything. Addressing anxiety requires a spiritual discipline. It requires you reminding yourself about how God sees you in Christ. It requires you reminding yourself that God loved you enough to send his son to die for you to pay for your sins. Anxiety isn't going to just disappear because 
the, the dangers of a fallen world don't just disappear. We do have dangers in a fallen world. But if you are trusting in Christ, you can be certain that God is not going to repay you, repay you according to your sins, your faults, your failures, your inadequacies. And that the, the danger you fear is not the end to which you're going to come. It's not going to swallow you up. Paul says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things, set your mind on these things, focus on these things and thank God for them. He doesn't tell us that as an, as an opiate to dull the pain. You understand that he tells you these things because if you are in Christ, these things characterize for you the goal to which you're going to. That this is where you're going to end up. That the, the dangers that provoke your anxiety, that's something merely that you have to go through. It's not where you're going to. You know, this morning we read responsively Psalm 23. Did you hear what David said when you read it? I hope you did, and I, and I hope that it's a conviction of yours. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not walking to the valley of the shadow of death. That's not the goal. That's not the end. That's not where I'm going to end up. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And I read in that description from that website that anxiety is the sense of always being stalked by an invisible predator. I want to tell you that you you are being stalked, but if you're in Christ, you need to be aware of what you're being stalked by. And we read it this morning in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And you know, it's, in, in the English translation, that word follow, you know, you might get the sense that like I'm walking along, like dragging a little red wagon with me that's full of goodness and mercy. But the Hebrew word that's used there is actually a strong word. It, it's a word that means to pursue. It's a word that in fact can mean Uh, It's often used in a negative context, to be hunted down. And and that's what David says, that that God's goodness and mercy is pursuing me. God's goodness and mercy is hunting me down. You can address anxiety with thanksgiving for the good in any circumstance— because that good that you experience is the, is the goal, the end to which your life is going in Christ. The, the bad is just what you have to go through. I, I, think that, I think that most of us, I think that most people could, could put up with some bad things, right? Could put up with some difficult things if you knew that's where you weren't going to end up, right? God says, put your mind here because in Christ... That's where you're going to end up. Trust in Christ and think about what it means that you are in Christ. Because if you know the God of peace, you can know the peace of God. To pray with me. 
Father, thank you for uh, your grace to us. Uh, Lord, oftentimes these things are uh, easier said than done. And Lord, we live in an anxiety-provoking age. But Father, help us uh, in this week as we have some time. Everybody will have some time off, I think. Uh, Not merely to spend that time with family, but to really spend some time giving thanks to you and all of those things that provoke our anxieties to bring our prayers and petitions, present our requests to you, but to do so with thanksgiving. Looking specifically uh, for those things in the midst of our circumstances that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable, that are excellent and praiseworthy. Because, Father, in Christ, that's the end to which you're bringing us. Lord, you've promised us that as we do that, you, the God of peace, will be with us. And so let the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.